0: Hey, sweetheart. Are you ready to record the beginning of our last series?
1: (sighs) Yes, dear.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you'd be a little more excited to record a series about your very favorite crossover.
1: Well, of course I'm excited to record with the old ball and chain.
0: The what? What did you call me? My old lady? Not that one either. Gosh, I just try to make
1: a little joke and it's all nag, nag, nag.
0: What happened? Did you just... Become the stereotype of a straight husband? Wait, have you been on the internet again?
1: I'm always on the internet.
0: I knew it. You've been affected by the anti-wife equation. It's all over the net. Luckily, I know the cure.
1: Oh, whew. Thank you, love. That was awful. I kept wanting to make a man cave and like buy a Harley Davidson.
0: No problem. I'm just glad it's so easy to get rid of that pesky thing.
1: Ready to talk about comics?
0: Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths. The
1: podcast where nothing will ever be the same.
0: Welcome readers to the first of our three part final episode covering Final Crisis.
1: Oh, you all, you almost said final Chris's.
0: It is the final Chris's. It
1: is. We're on we're on the way out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The la- the last of three.
0: I mean, you haven't you haven't seen The Last of Us, heard The Last of Us. You may have never seen us. <laughs>
1: that's, that's fine. <laughs> I have a real face for face for podcasting, as they say.
0: Uh, Yeah, podcasting in the closet with your wife. (laughs) I podcast
1: in my race car bed. (laughs) I podcast in a closet with my wife.
0: Hey, listen, I'm just saying, you're a very attractive man with a very attractive wife who spends a lot of time in his closet talking about (laughs) comics into a microphone with her.
1: Definitely more than the average person, right?
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're probably the top one percent of people who talk of, like, of of the population of the earth. We're probably the top one percent in terms of amount of time spent in a closet talking about comics.
0: Yeah, I think the other couple we know that talks about comics doesn't do it in a closet.
1: I don't actually know if I know anybody who records in a closet.
0: Yeah, we're we're fortunate that we have a, a nice size walk in closet.
1: Have we checked this for the for the house we're looking at?
0: I mean, I've I've considered things, but. You know, I'm assuming we're going to be recorded by the time we're in a new house, so we we would we would rethink lots of things. I know, but for like
1: future.
0: Well, I did once upon a time look at a really nice standalone recording booth. (laughs) Does it just pop up? No, it's like a structure that's that's there. It's not a it's not a pop up. You don't like store it away like you have essentially a you telephone just, box. You just have a little a little spot <laughs> in your house that's just a little enclosure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I bet mean, it was like a bunch of money, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah,
0: but it was when I wanted, I was like, mm, if I want to do voiceover stuff, I've got to have premium sound quality.
1: Right, like, to get paid like $3 a gig or
0: whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I determined that no, I did not need that. That I could come up with my my very own rig, <laughs> using just just a little bit of of sound foam.
1: Yeah, we could probably figure something out wherever we are. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think it. I think obviously professional equipment is professional for a reason. I think that a lot of people don't realize how much you can improve your sound with like some little things.
0: Your recording is very important. To be able to improve upon if it's a bad recording, very little can be done to make it sound that much better.
1: No, no, no. I, I mean like, like, um, environmentally. Oh, oh I don't the things mean... that
0: you can do to improve your, recording. yeah.
1: I don't mean in post. Right. But <laughs> things, things like even like when I, when I had, when we were in the apartment and I like threw a comforter over myself before I recorded mm-hmm. just to deaden the sound that like improved it immensely. Right. But uh, so that what I'm saying is I, I think that you don't need to, to necessarily have to have like the best, the best in uh, in equipment to record in just to make something that sounds like pretty decent. But I do know when people don't do a single thing because then it's super obvious.
0: <laughs> yeah. The echo of a big room. Mm-hmm. Oof.
1: Maybe like just like make yourself a little pillow fort or something.
0: The clink of ice in a glass.
1: <laughs> the echo of a quiet room. The clink of ice in a glass. See, these are things that ruin Christy's day.
0: You eat a chip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're getting slightly off track. So this is Final Crisis. This is my very favorite crossover.
0: It is. You saved it for last. I did. The best for last. The best
1: for last. This is considered by a lot of people, probably not everybody, but a lot of people to sort of be the best, at the very least, DC crossover.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I cannot say that it's tough competition.
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's like... The counterpart on the Marvel side in terms of quality is Secret Secret Wars 2015. Oh. Yeah. That, that's what people think. Best, best one for Marvel, generally. Not everybody. Secret Wars 2015. Best for DC. Final Crisis, 2008. I think it was when Final Crisis came out. This was actually... I was, um, the summer when I started comics, this came out. Oh yeah. Secret Invasion was coming out on the Marvel side. It was a real, it's a real difference. Although what's funny was I remember getting them both as they came out. The first issues. Mm -hmm. Secret Invasion got like rave reviews. The first issue, which is the, the one where like it ends with like them all like getting like piled on by Skrulls and you kind of wonder what's going to happen. People did not like Final Crisis until later. Initially it got it got like very poor reviews like the the first few issues. It was it was mm. wild. I think it was until like issue 4 where it started to people started to give it really good reviews.
0: Right, because the first issue you don't really know what's going on.
1: No. And it's interesting how it how it came together in the end cuz again, that's my favorite one. But I was so confused because I came into that fresh for like I knew nothing about DC continuity. I don't even know if I'd read Crisis yet, like the first man, Crisis.
0: Man. You didn't even know about Talkie Tawny.
1: I did not, but I loved him.
0: <laughs> I, was like,
1: I was like, DC's great. It's got
0: a tiger in a checkered suit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we have a lot to talk about. So do we want to quickly get into... It's not even going to be a quick one. It is a rather long summary. Summary. So before we begin, Eddie Berganza was an editor on this. Uh, I just don't want to say his name over and over again. You can Google him to find out why we've talked about it in previous episodes. Anyway, we're starting with DC Universe number zero, written by Grant Morrison, pencils by Doug Monkey, inked by Christian Alamy, colored by Alex Sinclair, and lettered by Nick J. Napolitano.
0: The bit relevant to Final Crisis is pretty short.
1: We are introduced to Libra, who is a villain who has called Flash's villains together, declaring that those who follow him and his new god will be granted their heart's desire.
0: Meanwhile, a narrator of this story speaks about a shadow across the multiverse, and only he can see it. We end this enigmatic intro with a lightning bolt. Hmm.
1: Final Crisis Number 1 through 3, written by Grant Morrison, penciled and inked by J.G. Jones, colored by Alex Sinclair, lettered by Rob Lee, and edited by Adam Schlagman.
0: Issue 1. Back in the way, way past, the first man, Anthro, is given fire by the new god Metron, which he uses to save his village from an attack by Neanderthals.
1: In the present, police detective Dan Turpin is investigating a case of missing children when he comes across the new god Orion who is dying in an alley. Orion urges Dan to fight the ones who did not die, but then the god disappears. The skies suddenly turn red as the black racer looks on.
0: The Green Lanterns, Hal and John, get a report of a 10-11, which turns out to be They investigate the crime scene, but the Guardians plan to send Alpha Lanterns to head the investigation. Kind of your Green Lantern FBI. The Justice League also puts itself on high alert.
1: Turpin meets up with the question, and she tells him about a place called the Darkside Club, and also warns him about someone kidnapping metahuman kids. Turpin heads to the club, where he is introduced to Boss Darkside, a mysterious force of evil. The boss introduces Dan to the kidnapped children, who have Glowing eyes and look feral.
0: Some D list superheroes are looking for something when they're suddenly attacked by Mirror Master and Dr. Light, who subdued the do gooders and grabbed the prize. Metron's Mobius chair. It turns out Libra is looking for it.
1: Speaking of Libra, he meets with a council of supervillains trying to convince them to join him and get whatever they desire. To demonstrate, he brings in a subdued Martian Manhunter as Human Flame requested the hero's death. Libra stabs him with a flaming spear, killing the Martian hero.
0: Anthro draws an interesting symbol in the dirt, but suddenly sees Kamandi, the last boy on Earth, yelling at Anthro that Metron gave him a weapon against the gods. The scene suddenly disappears though, and Anthro draws Metron's symbol on his face.
1: The Council of Monitors bans one of their own, Nix Uotan, for his negligence in his Earth dying. While his lover Ouija Del mourns, Monitor Rox Ogama plans to use this banishing for his own aims. Later, a young man who Who looks much like Nyx wakes up on Earth, seeing on the news that Martian Manhunter has died.
0: Issue 2. At a Japanese nightclub, the super young team, newbie superheroes, notice the arrival of Sunny Sumo, who quickly dispatches someone bothering him at the bar. Sunny goes to the restroom where he is met by Mr. Miracle, Shiloh Norman. Shiloh tells Sunny that he has the last mother box in existence, and that the evil gods of Apocalypse are coming for unknown purposes. Having heard this, the super young team wants to help.
1: Our young friend Nix Uotan, who does not remember being a Monitor, heads to his fast food job, only remembering monitor stuff as a dream. When he isn't working, he starts to recite words from the dictionary.
0: Dan Turpin, who we last saw at the Darkside Club, beats the ever-living crap out of the Mad Hatter, still trying to find those kids. Mad Hatter tells Dan to head to the city of Bloodhaven.
1: The heroes have a funeral for Martian Manhunter, but now all the supervillains want their heroic enemies killed. In fact, Lex won't join up unless Libra can prove that he can hurt Superman. Human Flame thanks Libra again, and Libra walks off with him to, quote-unquote, collect what's owed.
0: Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, the JLA discusses the deaths of Orion and John when the Alpha Lanterns come in to gloat about how cool they are. Anyway, back at the crime scene, Jon Stewart locates a bullet made of radion, New God Kryptonite basically, embedded in the concrete, but like 50 years ago concrete.
1: He is attacked from behind by someone in a Green Lantern uniform, and he manages to get a good right hook in prior to being incapacitated. Soon after, the Alpha Lanterns arrest Hal for the murder, since he's been evil before and all that— Batman talks to Alpha Lantern Kraken alone about this, but she seems to fight against something inside her before revealing that she's the apocalypse new god, Granny Goodness. Oh no!
0: In Bloodhaven, Turpin comes upon Reverend Godfrey Good, who takes him to the evil factory of Command D. Turpin demands to know where the missing kids are, when Godfrey reminds him he already saw the missing kids last issue. Anyway, the folks in here are building new bodies for the apocalypse gods while preparing to enslave the Earth. Also, Turpin starts to feel something in his mind. At
1: Command-D, Batman is in some strange contraption that imprisons him with a helmet over his face. And Commandy, yeah, the boy from the future, is imprisoned with many others, yelling about Metron giving Turpin a weapon.
0: At the Daily Planet, Lois asks Jimmy to take a picture to the presses, but as Jimmy enters the elevator, he turns into Clayface. Suddenly, a bomb goes off in the Daily Planet, injuring Lois and many others.
1: Flash's Wally West and Jay Garrick find the hideout where Libra met with the supervillains, along with the Mobius chair, a crime bible, yes a crime bible, and Martian Manhunter's blood. Wally starts to think that the bullet that killed Orion was fired backwards through time, but before much can happen, a boom tube opens up containing the radion bullet and Barry Allen being chased by the Black Racer.
0: Issue 3. Frankenstein and Shade raid the Darkseid Club in New York only to find Boss Darkseid dead. The question is also there, but books it after telling Shade to look for Dan Turpin. Frankenstein sees the words, no evil, floating in mid air and radios to his boss, Father Time.
1: Time, however, gets a call from checkmate Black King Taleb Benny Khalid, who mentions that the Command D bunker in Bloodhaven has been taken over by some crime lord. Uh oh.
0: The question nearly gets away, but encounters what appears to be German Supergirl who has crashed on the concrete. Shade agents snag the two of them.
1: Poor Nick's Uotan gets fired from his fast food job from being too weird. Also, he appears to be surreptitiously watched by monitor Zillow Valla.
0: Jay Garrick explains to the Wests and Allens about the Flashes trying to catch the Radeon bullet last issue. Jay explains that they were ultimately unsuccessful and possibly made the Black Racer mad. Jay had to drop out of their run, leaving Wally and Barry accelerating through time. One thing is clear, though. Barry Allen is back.
1: Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom, Libra convinces Human Flame to put on a helmet, which, as we will find out, enslaves him with the anti-life equation. Lex Luthor arrives to tell Libra that the power to defeat Superman makes him, frankly, too dangerous. Before Lex can do anything else, Libra demands that Lex also put on a helmet or renounce science and swear on the Bible of crime.
0: At Metropolis' hospital, Superman is barely keeping Lois alive with his heat vision and is suddenly approached by Zillow who gives Superman a chance to save Lois if they leave immediately.
1: Hal Jordan is led to Oa by the Alpha Lanterns as Wonder Woman tries to explain to them that this is probably the evil gods of Apocalypse. They are unconvinced, and Hal can't remember where he was when Orion was killed.
0: After their departure, Wonder Woman, Mr. Terrific, and Alan Scott chat about how Superman, Flash, and Batman seem to be missing, and that some fishy stuff is happening. They decide to invoke Article X, which is a draft for superheroes.
1: We get a fun montage of superheroes responding to the draft, but by God, they sure do show up.
0: Sonny Sumo talks to Mr. Miracle as the latter is about to board a jet. Sonny seems convinced that evil is afoot, and he is quickly proven right when the plane blows up. Soldiers in those Justifier helmets attack our heroes, but they're rescued by the super young team who whisks them all away in their flying car.
1: Wonder Woman heads to Bloodhaven, and she is accompanied into the wreckage of the city by dog riding Atomic Knights. Before long, she encounters a very different looking Mary Marvel who attacks Diana and the Knights. Diana wonders what the heck is going on, and Mary explains that the gods of Apocalypse have been hiding in human bodies. She states that in five minutes the anti-life equation will be live, and also that Wonder Woman has been chosen as a vector for a virus that Mary has in a test tube. A broken test tube.
0: Mr. Terrific and Oracle notice something wild is happening on the net as Mokari... Evil new god sends the anti-life equation in an email to everyone.
1: The flashes arrive several weeks into the future and things are looking dicey as Wonder Woman, Batwoman, Catwoman and Giganta clad in evil-looking armor arrive to kill the flashes.
0: Final Crisis Superman Beyond issue 1 written by Grant Morrison, penciled by Doug Mankey, inked by Christian Alamy, Rodney Ramos, Tom Nguyen, Walden Wong and Doug Mankey. Colored by David Barron, lettered by Steve Wands, and edited by Adam Schlagman. We get
1: a little flash forward as Superman fights a strange monitor-looking creature.
0: Anyway, back to the hospital as Zillow arrives and offers Superman a deal. She'll basically stop time and save Lois if Superman will come with her to save the cosmos. However, they gotta book it as they're being chased.
1: Vala explains that they'll be traveling between universes into the Bleed, and Superman will need to upgrade to 4D Vision to see what's going on. They board her ship, the Ultima Thule, and meet Overman of Earth-10, Captain Marvel of Earth-5, and Captain Adam of Earth-4.
0: Superman notices that Ultraman, the evil Superman from the Antimatter universe, is fighting against the destroyer that's chasing the crew, but it's beginning to crash in the very populated Earth-6. Vala tells them to crash in Earth-51, the Graveyard universe, and Captain Adam bonds with the navigational systems to do so.
1: The other supermen barely keep the destroyer aloft as they move through universes, but they safely arrive in Earth-51, though Vala has been injured and taken to the Ultima Thule's infirmary.
0: Ultraman is kind of a jerk and doesn't want to work with the others, and they disembark from the ship to find that Earth-51 is a place where all the forgotten superheroes live, led by Merryman.
1: Merryman explains that nothing happens there in Limbo, and they'll soon lose their memories while everyone outside that universe forgets about them. Obviously, Superman is not big on this and decides to explore the nearby library of Limbo.
0: It only has one book, with infinite pages, which should thus contain the information needed to repair the Ultima Thule. Captain Marvel and Superman struggle to lift the book and hear the tale of how there came to be so many monitors.
1: The original monitor sent a probe into the multiverse, which split in two, becoming a massive golden statue of Superman, as well as the Orrery of Worlds, which contains the multiverse.
0: The Monitor thus begat Monitors until there were 52 of them, and they theorized the Superman statue was a weapon to protect them from a great evil, an evil kept in chains by the sacrifice of the Monitor's first son, Dax Novu.
1: Anyway, Captain Marvel and Superman are struck by energy, which turns Cat back into Billy. Billy Batson can't seem to remember anything, and Superman takes him back to the Ultima Thule, where he demands to know about a name he saw in the book, Mandrak.
0: He catches Vala drinking the blood of Overman, and she calls Mandrak the Dark Monitor. She explains that all is lost as Mandrak has found them, and they head outside to see not only a massive machine in the skies of Limbo, but also Ultraman with the infinite book. He's read some of it and says that according to the book, evil always triumphs.
1: All right, Christy, break my heart. What did you think of this this portion of Final Crisis?
0: I'm into it. it. It was the usual sort of Christy read where my first time through, nothing clicked in my head. And then the second time through, I was like, oh, no, this makes a ton of sense, which happens to me often. I know I've said that on the podcast before, that sometimes... Sometimes my brain just cannot process it all.
1: Which yeah. is good, um, because I think I had to read Final Crisis like three times before I started to get an inkling of what the heck was going on. For a while, I'd read it and be like, I don't know what's happening, but it's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the hangups that normally get me not always uh, being able to instantly recognize a character on the page. Um you know, that can be tough, especially when sometimes it's like, oh, we don't know who this is. And I could kind of have this like, does everybody not know who this is? Or is it just me who doesn't know who this is? Kind of a kind of a thing.
1: As this was my first crossover, I had no idea that the super young team was literally just conceptualized for this book. <laughs> um And so I expected, like, to find more stuff with them earlier. No, this is literally their first appearance. It is not the first appearance of Sonny Sumo. Sonny Sumo is a Jack Kirby original character from when he created the New Gods back in Mm. the 70s. This is also not the first Mr. Miracle. The first Mr. Miracle is Scott Free, who is normally Mm -hmm. hanging out with Barda. This is... I'm not sure if it works the same way post-crisis, but Shiloh Norman was, like, a kid that they, like, didn't quite adopt. Uh Uh-huh. But... Kind of like taught some Mister Miracle-y stuff too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still supposed to be the case, but that was how he was conceptualized. So this is this is a, a new Mister Miracle from mm-hmm. from. Although the, even now, I think um, Scott Free is Mister Miracle again. Some things.
0: Okay, so the new gods. Yes, there there's good ones and there's bad ones.
1: So let's let's briefly briefly talk about the new gods. So um, the new gods were. Jack Kirby Originals. He wrote and drew these books. He first start, came up with the idea in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, of all things, which hmm. was kind of like a low-selling comic. There's kind of a myth that goes around that he picked it up because it was the lowest-selling issue and they gave him anything to do. I, I've I've heard that that's kind of more disputed. Mm. But regardless... If it's a
0: fun story. It is a fun story. Why wouldn't people tell it? Yeah,
1: like... <laughs> He picked the lowest-selling thing to introduce, but anyway, they, they were kind of introduced in there. He eventually he had a title just called "The New Gods" that was mostly about Orion. Mm-hmm. Um, then Mister um, Miracle, which is uh, my favorite one. It's about Mister Miracle and 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 Barda and blah blah blah. And then there's the Forever People, which is about some kind of younger New Gods people. It, it seems to they they are supposed to be like.
0: So how would they get made, gods?
1: they just were gods. Mm. The whole deal was like the new gods starts with saying like one day the old gods died. Okay. And I think what what that that's that's supposed to be Jack Kirby's way of saying like okay, all of the pantheons that you know are gone. Okay. The Greek gods died, the Roman gods died, blah blah blah. These are the new gods. He seemed to have gotten especially for Eternals a lot of Inspiration. I don't think he actually, I don't know if he actually believed it's true, but at one point there was a book called chariots of the gods with a question mark behind it. And this whole deal was someone's theory that aliens were the inspiration for old gods. I feel like that has been since so ubiquitous in fiction that mm-hmm. like, this is probably like the 20th time you've heard of this instance, Right. but it was, it was, it was kind of like a wild idea. I feel like at the time. And I think he was a little inspired to throw that in some fiction because you know it's kind of fun fiction. I don't think it's fun real life because it really takes away from a lot of mankind's accomplishments. Right. (laughs) Of course, man. Of course, mankind built the pyramids. Of course they did. Of course they did. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so that's kind of where this came from. And the whole thing with the with the the big uh, inciting incident of of the new god story is there are evil gods and they all live on a planet called Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bunch of of. Good gods, and they live on a planet called New Genesis.
0: Okay. I need to tell you something funny that just clicked in my head. Sure. That the apocalypse I was thinking of is from Marvel when I kept hearing Apocalypse's Horsemen.
1: Oh, uh, that's fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. P- apocalypse is a place, yeah, not a person. Yeah, and it's spelled it's spelled I know cool it's spelled different. Um, but like that was like my go-to. I was like Apocalypse is a person and Apocalypse has horsemen. Yes. No, no not the case.
1: Apocalypse is a, is a planet. Um so the 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 ruler of the the good gods is called High Father. Okay. The ruler of the bad gods is Dark Side. Also uh-huh. kind of spelled fun. Anyway, as a pact between them for peace, they gave each other their sons, their firstborn sons.
0: Okay, this sounds familiar. At least the the mythos.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean
0: that that's a fairly common, like his like fiction thing. I don't know how uh, much it historically well it, it, it ha- happened.
1: Well, it happened. In, it it was a medieval thing to like to like keep people's behavior good. Uh-huh. It was generally more imposed upon rather than necessarily a trade. Right. It was like, I will, I will raise, or like, I'll, I'll have your son as my ward for your continued good behavior, you rebellious whatever. Like, right, right. But in this case, it was supposed to be a pact between them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this whole nature versus nurture thing, because a dark side's biological child is Orion, mm-hmm. who is like this, like, kind of like warrior- God, mm-hmm. and he is raised to be good under High Father, and he is he is he is given everything he could be given. He is raised as a in a way in, by good parents in good mm-hmm. circumstances, and Dark Side immediately throws High Father's kid into a pit and just like tr- like make sure he has like a miserable life. Mm-hmm. High Father's biological kid is Mister Miracle. Oh. And so he, his whole deal is he's so good at escaping because he's been escaping from things his entire life. Right. What's interesting is they both turn out good. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's kind of that's like I feel like that's the 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 whole overview of of the new gods situation. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of evil gods and tons of good gods, but dark side is always trying to find what what is the mathematical equation, the anti life equation. Right. And if he gets a hold of the anti-life equation, he can basically, like, fully enslave the universe.
0: Right. Which is the plot of of, of this. Darkseid is...
1: Right. And what's funny is, like, I, 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 I'm trying to remember. I feel like maybe he's gotten a hold of it before. But this is, like, the first time that it is used as such. Another interesting thing about the new gods is they somehow always seem obsessed with Earth. Earth always seems to be where they go. <laughs> like...
0: I I love the kind of tongue and cheek way that's that's brought up within the issues when, like, Hal is being questioned by the Green Lantern bigwigs of like, you know, you're supposed to be protecting this entire sector, but you spend a lot of time here on Earth, and he's like, well, a lot of stuff seems to happen here, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. Because that's where we, the comic book readers, live. Right. But that's kind of the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, there is a, there was a lot of lead up to Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. So we read Infinite Crisis. That was the one where Superboy Prime punched the dimensions, and Alexander yeah. Luther was trying to make everything like Earth Two again, because mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. After that, there was a story called One Year Later that immediately happened after Infinite Crisis, where a year passed in time, and so there there was kind of a fun time skip, and we got to see kind of what was happening there. Okay. While One Year Later was happening, there was a weekly series coming out that outlined what happened in that year. Oh. And that is called Fifty Two because it's fifty because it, there are fifty two weeks in a year.
0: Hmm. Wait, this isn't the new 52.
1: That's no. a different thing.
0: <laughs> this was what
1: this was what made DC seemingly obsessed with the idea of 52. There's 52 universes. They the new 52 was they had 52 issues, number ones coming out all at once when they when they restarted the mm-hmm. the publishing universe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but 52 did pretty well. And it, I feel like it is somehow the the best weekly series that i've ever read it was also partially written by grant morrison so that's probably why i love it so much Mm -hmm. but it was the the writing duty was a little bit more uh, juggled anyway that 52 was pretty successful Mm -hmm. and they they knew they were going to be leading into final crisis so they had another weekly series coming out later called Mm -hmm. countdown Uh. and it started at issue 52 And then it did the thing you hate where it went all the way down to. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Countdown stinks. Awful. It only leads into this in like minute ways. It is. I don't think Grant really wrote any of it. It's, it's bad. It's one of the, it's one of the worst comics I've ever read. Okay, Um, So that's why I didn't have us even touch it. Um, It mostly like, if you were wondering about the, the monitor being exiled, that's kind of what it leads into. Okay, but it's basically I, I was this a monitor. Go- this monitor did a goof up, right? And so he got exiled,
0: right? I mean, his world died. That that seemed pretty bad,
1: and that's the graveyard world that they go to, Earth fifty one. Oh, yeah. While fifty two, eventually fifty two. Or I'm um, sorry, Countdown became Countdown to Final Crisis. Like they like revealed the full title later, but it's bad. And other th- there were other lead-ins. Like this is not the first time Boss Darkseid and the Side Club are brought up. Mm-hmm. And there was the Death of the New Gods, which was a mini series about how all of the good New Gods died.
0: Okay, where have all the good gods gone?
1: So if you're wondering, like, where's High Father? It's he's gone. Don't worry about it.
0: Is he gone or is he gone?
1: Well, we can talk about that like the third episode. Okay. Well, anyway.
0: I love that this episode so far has just, just been like... It's to it. Well, no, like you explaining to me all of God.
1: <laughs> well, I realized like we'd barely touched New God stuff before, and this is pretty deeply entrenched in it, I'd say. Yeah. Darkseid is literally the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we, we see that later on. But even Dan Turpin as a character was introduced... In Jack Kirby's New God stuff, I like him because a lot of police detectives in the DC universe love working with the superheroes and, mm-hmm. and he hates them. He thinks they stink. He calls them <laughs> super muck mucks and he doesn't like having them around. I love him because he's an example of like the like weird old man strength. Where he's like he's an out of shape balding man in like probably his sixties, and he's like beating the crap out of people, and you're like, <laughs> how is he doing this?
0: I love it. It's wonderful.
1: I I kind of love Dan Turpin because he's he's not he's not unlike the Thing, and I've decided that the Thing is the best character in superhero comics.
0: Hmm. The best.
1: I love the Thing.
0: I would be reticent to call anything the best.
1: I just think the th- I, I, maybe not even the best
0: <laughs> anything.
1: Uh, <laughs> I just think he kind of always works. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, he's got a very easy voice for any writer to nail. He's he's, and he's always fun.
1: He's fun. He's sick of this crap. He has a big rocky I body. Mean,
0: he's also has a decent amount of characterization for for you know big strong thing
1: i love the thing this is why hellboy works because the hellboy is also kind of just the thing
0: oh yeah hellboy yeah okay
1: you uh, you know what when we are done with this and you don't have to read things that are crossovers maybe we pick up hellboy okay one of the things i love about final crisis is that even though grant tends to like to do their own thing this is still pretty continuity-focused. Like, the Alpha Lanterns were, like, a very of a certain time thing.
0: Uh-huh. They were just
1: a bunch of Green Lanterns who were kind of turned into cyborgs to be, like, super Green Lanterns. Their lamps are, like, in their bodies.
0: Okay. So they don't
1: have to, like, go find it to charge it. Right. To charge their rings.
0: Right. They have. I a, mean, I feel like... Does anybody even do that, like, oh in no, the they, comics?
1: Well, it's always a fun... It's, like, a cool... Like
0: when they need a plot device, yeah, it can like, happen. It's like
1: Spider Man running out of webbing, you know? Right? Yeah. Oh, right. I need to charge the Green Lantern. The the cell's almost empty. They, they, there's literally a bit later in this where it, there's the there's a powering at ten percent, powering at eight percent, powering it. Oh, fun! Yeah, I love them. I love when that happens. The Alpha Lanterns also kind of lost like a bit of their personality. It seemed like they became kind of cold. Uh, it was considered like a great honor, but uh, part of the story was that was being told was like the guardians of the multiverse were starting to maybe be a little too militaristic. Mm. But this is in this, they're very much like the 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 federal like like I said, the Federal Bureau of Investigation or whatever. They come in for the specialized cases.
0: Right, right. It, um, it seemed. It seemed. Like I got that feeling from it. It was written See, that way. Like I, I'm like, okay, I understand what's happening here. I don't have to know exactly who these Alpha Green Lanterns are. Like they're they're the big wigs, and they're gonna make him feel bad. And like this is my turf. I've got this. But like I've watched crime shows. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, and this does have like a the start of like a crime show setup almost. It's it does like in the DC universe. They're too distinct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the mystery of Final Crisis is what makes it fun.
0: Uh huh. The the bullet being fired backwards through time to kill a god—that's pretty cool.
1: And this is like—I I feel like this. These three episodes are just going to be me gushing about how much I love Graham Morrison. If I met them, I would cry. It would be a real—you can't disappoint a picture moment. I feel like.
0: Uh, I've seen you meet a lot of people, so I'm trying to envision <laughs> this reaction of you crying at the meeting of someone.
1: I don't think I'd be reading comics now if I hadn't discovered Grant Morrison comics. Because Grant just makes them weird in a way that I love. Like, bullet fired backwards through time? That rules! Mm-hmm. That's that's better than, like... You know, I feel like a lot of superhero comics are like, today's villain of the week fires a red-colored laser beam, whereas last week's fired a green-colored laser beam. And it's like...
0: I love the things that we separately really appreciate about comics. You like really interesting plot devices and the unexpected, and you you love...
1: I that. love a I love a weird concept,
0: and I love character. Right, character I, I, development. I don't
1: hate character I, development. And I am
0: not saying that you do, but like <laughs> what really is like what really wows you and pulls you in is that is that element. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I want to really get entrenched in a person and personal experiences and the emotional depth of a character like that's what really gets me
1: now you know what's best is when those two things get combined
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like in that issue of sword where we got figured out that manifold's power isn't that he can teleport wherever he wants it's that he talks to the universe (laughs) and the universe just listens to him when he needs to go places and then it, it like that kind of becomes like an anchor to the whole issue of him talking. Oh, it's so good. But, uh, that's, I, I love bullet fired backwards through time. Phenomenal. Great. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Kirby really did like high strangeness in a way that I really appreciated too. Mm -hmm. And I even, I like grounded comics too, but like, man, when, when comics can just be real out there, that's, that's what I really like. I also, I like dumb things like, in the recent Moon Knight issue, Moon Knight is called the Fist of Khonshu. Konshu is, like, a, a fictional god. In in this recent series, it's like, how many fists do gods have, though? And then <laughs> we're introduced to another Fist of Khonshu because uh, someone has two fists. Things like that. Like, that's... I also love that. Like, where it's...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... um we're, we're kind of barely introduced into final crisis. We get We get kind of the setup of all of like the characters because even though it's an ensemble, there are like particular kind of ensemble um, highlights, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Like we get the the bit that the flashes are doing and we get the bit that the super young team are doing. I've seen critiques that the super young team is like a little a little too silly in a way that's like almost like orientalist.
0: Oh. Like,
1: like their names are like, like, one of them was like Lolita Canary or something. Like,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. little too JK Rowling. Like, 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 <laughs> yeah, like,
1: like almost like, you know, when you see like Japanese translated into English, but like it reads funny.
0: Uh-huh. It
1: almost seems a little bit like that. Okay. I, I, I still love like their concept though, as like, they're, they really want to be superheroes, but also, like, they want to be cool teens.
0: Right. They like, want to be celebrities.
1: Yeah. Like, that's a fun concept. Grant works with it later, too, in multiversity, which you've read a little bit of because I said, does this make any sense? And you were like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. This guy has his super monkey, and they're going to go fight these multiversal demon things. Yeah. The guy who had the super monkey is the monitor who got exiled in this.
0: Oh. We've
1: not met the super monkey yet.
0: I would have remembered if we had, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick's Uotan. hmm He is, he is the, that, that character. Okay. Hey, I love Nick's Uotan and that that poor guy gets like turned into a human and is working at like the McDonald's equivalent or right. whatever. Right. But there's, um, I think Grant is playing with some ideas that Kirby plays with. When Orion comes to Earth, he like goes into an apartment and Darkseid is like sitting in like the lazy boy and it's this really cool moment of like juxtaposing like the ordinary with like the the, the larger than life. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, Grant was trying to play with that a little bit with making the monitor like a fast food worker. Right. <sighs> Sorry, I could just That's supposed about Final
0: to be Crisis. exile. It's supposed to be like, like punishment, punishment. Which is just an normal American life. <laughs> what does that say right
1: uh, there's there's also bits in this that you like the reason why Nick's Uotan is reading through the dictionary is because subconsciously he knows that monitors have some like word of power right and so he's literally it's it's almost like the 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 nine thousand names of God thing or mm-hmm. that the a computer was trying to figure out the names a uh, name of God by just like randomly throwing in syllables mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like I'm really leading this discussion uh, because I am just get overly, overly excited about you are, Final Crisis. You are
0: very excited.
1: Uh-huh. What did you think about the... when? So when I was picking this up, I didn't know how important Superman Beyond was. I had to like pick it up after the fact and like beg for a reorder. Because a lot of the, the, the things that were Final Crisis miniseries... Didn't actually have that much to do with Final Crisis. There was Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds, which is just a Legion of superheroes story that doesn't have anything to do with this. It was just happening at the same time. Oh, like there was one that was Rage of the Red Lanterns, which was a one shot that was introducing the concept of the Red Lanterns. And mm-hmm. had nothing to do with this story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was like, "Oh, Superman Beyond probably has nothing to do with this story." No, it it was it was like wildly important.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is pretty clearly linked to everything that's happening. I am
1: a real sucker for multiple versions of Superman.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It it's like, you know, getting getting a twist of lime in your coke.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that sounds nice.
0: It does. I want a
1: twist of lime in my coke.
0: Hmm. So you're you're wanting uh over superman no
1: i do not want the nazi superman (laughs) that character's whole concept and it gets uh, it gets kind of told later in multiversity again in a lot of ways multiversity is sort of a pseudo sequel to final crisis
0: i thought he wasn't really a nazi i thought he was well it was his just from a world where the nazis won and then he realized it was bad
1: well sure but he was still raised as a nazi and like helped the nazi regime and then felt regretful about it later okay It's like his uh, his um, his ship landed in the Sudetenland, right? As opposed to in Kansas. That's that that whole deal. Right. Yeah. There's a there's a book called Superman Red Sun where it lands in Soviet Russia instead, and uh, it's weirdly boring. I think that book's bad. A lot of people really like it, but I I never got into it. Mm. But um, we have Captain Marvel as an alternate Superman, Mm -hmm. but not the main universe Captain Marvel. Specifically, a Captain Marvel from a different Earth. Yeah. Which is fun. It's specifically said as, a, as an Earth that's like a little bit more whimsical, a little kinder, gentler.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have Captain Adam, who there is a Captain Adam in the DC Universe. He is generally a blue guy who's like. Yeah. But this one specifically seems to be not necessarily modeled after, but similar to Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen, mm-hmm. who himself was a pastiche of Captain Adam from Charlton Comics. (laughs) So we are...
0: (laughs) Full circle. Full
1: circle. And then we have Ultraman, who is the antimatter version of Superman from the universe where the Justice League is fully evil. And they can't touch. Because, as we know, when an equal amount of matter touches an equal amount of antimatter, they will annihilate each other and cause a big explosion. That's for real. That's real stuff. Yeah. However, it is a little bit more uh, simple than you have to literally touch your exact opposite counterpart. It's like <laughs> if hydrogen touches anti-hydrogen, it'll blow up. Right. But it, I like that it is they the two of them can't fight because they'll just annihilate each other. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. That gets played with a little bit later.
0: I wonder how they, like, how did they find that out?
1: I don't know. I do know that that version of Ultraman is in um, a comic called Earth Two that mm-hmm. is written by Grant Morrison and penciled by Frank Whiteley. Love, love some Frank, and that's about like the evil Justice League from Earth Two, um, which this was post-Crisis, so there was not supposed to be a multiverse. But of course, it. You, how long can a comic go without making a multiverse? It does. It,
0: it's too interesting a concept to leave alone.
1: Which is funny because. I would be sick of multiverses. There are two things right now that make me not sick of multiverses. One of which is we're rereading Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. The second of which is the last weekend you and I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is the best multiverse movie that has been made.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's
1: not. I don't even think it's close. We saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness like a week before.
0: I'm really glad we saw that one first.
1: This one smoked it. Right. Smoked it. It's what people try to compare them. I'm like, beyond compare. Completely different movie. Yes. And one plays with the concept in a way that is way more fun.
0: Right, right. <sighs> oh. Well, I feel like <laughs> I feel
1: like we barely talked about enough about this comic.
0: Well, no, I feel like the reason that we started this podcast was for you to get to this moment where you could just <laughs> tell me about your favorite event. I feel like that's a lot of what this episode has been. So let's go ahead and get on into some some accolades.
1: <laughs> accolades. All right, Christy, what's the best line of these four issues of comic book? Uh,
0: the best line comes from... The bouncer at the club, (laughs) the, (laughs) the, uh, what the, the super, super young or super cool or the
1: super young team,
0: super young team is trying to get into. And he says, stop. You must be super cool to proceed. Your life depends on it.
1: So that line, if it was just the first two would still be pretty good. But the fact that he ends it with your life depends on it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. It's mine too, because it's it's <laughs> like in uh, JG Jones really crushes this crowd scene and then centers the stuff. You must be super cool to proceed. Your life depends on it. Like the lettering's good. Uh-huh. This is one of my favorite pages of comics. I feel like it says so much about what I am about to read.
0: <laughs> it is really good. Alright, so that was the Daily Double. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. <laughs> Okay, now the next accolade is kind of tough. Yeah. Because it's always tough when it's a big ensemble book. But who was the greatest hero?
1: I'm going to, I got to give it to Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Grant loves Superman. It's pretty clear. Grant writes some really good Superman stories where Superman is just a paragon of goodness. This is another one where Zillow Vala is like, I can help you save your, your wife, but you have to save the entire universe and we're going to do it in between her heartbeats. And... <laughs>
0: right and he's like okay <laughs> uh, and so hit it again Matt T. wilson we have another daily double goodness <laughs> yeah that was that was also mine for the same reason i have that that page where he has to make that decision with lois there i love the i love the idea that he is the only thing keeping lois alive right now with his now.
1: heat vision he's like massaging her heart or something right <gasps> Some fun concepts in this. The fact that the Libra, who we barely even talked about... I'm going to be honest, Libra kind of disappears and is, is like weirdly unimportant for a character that you think would be really important.
0: Okay. All right. All right. So, let's see how many more uh, Daily Devils we'll, we'll have throughout this. Uh, my coolest moment is when the ship that all the supermen are on... Oh, I'm on. sorry. Are we
1: talking about the ship called the Ultima Thule?
0: Ultima Thule. Yeah. The Ultima Thule is traveling between everything and the art on it is just really cool it looks like
1: yeah doug monkey really uh really like went all out in the superman beyond stuff which by the way was um portions of of this comic were originally in 3d oh yes so while i was going through my comics today i do still have that issue i don't know if i still have the 3d glasses though
0: (gasps) Do any 3D glasses work?
1: It has to be the red the ones that are red on one side and blue red on the other. And- not the not the like new generation that you use right, for movies. Right. Which has already kind of gone out of popularity. I feel like yeah. 3D movies kind of had their moment.
0: They did. We have a 3D television and a bunch of 3D glasses that we do not use. And
1: a 3D Blu-ray player that does not work anymore. Right. It because it randomly would change inputs. God, that sucked.
0: Okay, what was your coolest moment?
1: Mine was Barry Allen's Return.
0: Oh, that was pretty cool where he
1: just says run so the black racer is basically like the grim Reaper if I recall for the mm-hmm. new gods
0: mm-hmm. D- we read Barry Allen's death didn't we in
1: crisis it's it, that was this is this is his return from crisis on infinite Earths wow so it was 20 years wow yeah
0: I mean 20 real people years yeah it's not 20 comic years
1: no no, but it was, it
0: was
1: 20, <laughs> 20 for reals years.
0: Yeah. So that that's a, that, when you think about it like that and imagining reading it as it was coming out and, you know, oh, that return, like it's a lot more impactful than like me, somebody reading it now, who. So you want to know something Barry cool? Allen.
1: Yeah. My dad bought that issue of the Flash's death off the news rack. I have it downstairs oh. and I bought the Flash's return. <laughs> I thought I just thought that was very cool.
0: <laughs> that is really cool. Maybe one of our kids will be into comics and something like that will happen.
1: Maybe I think our youngest probably has uh, some some comic book tendencies. He's mm-hmm. very he's very. I mean, our
0: oldest likes comics, but he's not into superheroes.
1: No, he like he likes sequential storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not like superheroes, and that's okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, All right. Silly villainy crusher Creel Award for silly villainy. Uh, I gave mine uh, to Vandal Savage, who, <sighs> during the meeting, um, you know, in order to get his point across, he says, "I am not averse to the taste of human flesh, sir."
1: I almost use that as my great, my, my greatest line, <laughs> my best line, because it's really good. I just imagine him standing and going, "I am not averse to the taste of human flesh, sir."
0: Uh, and the response is spoken like a true gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's some great silly villainy. I
1: like Vandal Savage. I think he's a fun villain.
0: He is a fun villain. What, who did you give your Crusher Creel award for? Just villain?
1: the Human Flame in general.
0: <laughs> like you know, that
1: guy has like a mustard stain on his outfit <laughs> at nearly all times. <laughs> He literally pulls out his Nokia or whatever when they're when they're about to kill Martian Manhunter and he's like, This is what this is what happens to everybody who crosses the human flame. <laughs> I wanna be like, dude, you know you could not do this by yourself. He's like, he's such like a he just reads like a real loser. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't so I I I can see the silliness because he is. He pulls is a loser. out his
1: Nokia. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm like, oh, it's being a loser, being silly, and I'm like, you know, a villain who is supposed to be or is like being taken seriously somewhat, who is kind of kind of a loser, is kind of fun and silly. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, our next accolade, the key of C, the moment that we feel would be most enhanced by a musical number. Mine um, is the moment where they say rejoice. The evil factory is open for business.
1: Oh, that's so good. So you could have like a little like, we built this city sort of thing, but with the evil factory. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just a little evil factory montage with some silly villains dancing in their, you know, creepy laboratory. And
1: uh, instead of Char- or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, we have dark side and the evil factory.
0: <laughs> What did you give your key c- key of C to? The death
1: of Martian Manhunter because I felt like it went too Whoa. quickly and it actually deserved a little bit more time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, there's
1: no lead up to it.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: says nothing before they just like kill that poor guy. I felt so bad.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is sad.
1: I I have a soft spot for the Martian Manhunter. I think he's super neat. <laughs> so I,
0: I enjoy John John's too.
1: I was a little little bummed.
0: All right. What ship will you go down with? And is it the the ultimate, what, what, the, the, <laughs> talking about the literal ship. The ultimate
1: tool. <laughs> ultimate tool. <laughs> How do I remember the name of that? The ship that goes through the bleed, which is the
0: space between <laughs> universes.
1: Mine is the flashes. I love the, and it could even encompass all of, like the whole, group okay yeah there's kind of like this this classic thing where all of the flashes wives and families and kids and even like the flashes themselves like all hang out
0: yeah and i like
1: the idea that they have this super speedy barbecue occasionally (laughs) i just imagine like wally having like a kiss the cook and he's like he's got to click them a couple of times right before flipping those dogs
0: oh yeah yeah gotta click the tongs gotta
1: click the tongs uh, and like Jay makes like a like a solid potato salad. Never <laughs> never tries to put raisins in there. Uh, Why would you try to make a sweet potato salad? To be fair, you put a little sweet relish in, but that's just, it's just a touch. Just a, a touch. touch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the ship that I will go down with is Supergirl and her cat Streaks.
1: Streaky? Mm-hmm. Did you? I like Streaky the cat. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: she su- she calls it she calls him Streaks. Yeah. Oh
1: well, it, it's probably. Like the way that yeah. we call our cats like fifty things. Yeah,
0: no. So I, um, because she says, "I'll be back soon, streaks. Be good, and don't you dare pee in my laundry basket again." And just this week, I cleaned <laughs> pee out of a laundry basket, so it just it hit real close to home. I love Supergirl and her cl- her cat. Her we have streaking. like
1: the world's sweetest cat who pees on everything, but otherwise he's such a pussy cat.
0: Mm-hmm. He's the
1: sweetest boy who's just like, well, it's time to pee?"
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dog marking his territory or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we have a final accolade, the
1: goodest hit. What was the best hit in this?
0: Where Sonny Sumo punches through the guy's armor who's like bothering him at the bar and pulls out his heart.
1: Yeah, you mean Mecca Yakuza, which is <laughs> what a name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He literally does pull his heart out while he was waiting for a drink, and everybody's just like, "I guess this is fine,
0: right?" And he is just like on fire throughout all of this, and just afterwards calmly walks to the bathroom. I
1: kind of love Sunny Sumo.
0: It's it's a really good hit. <laughs> did you pick a different hit for your good i did
1: actually it was um when john stewart returned the return punch on kraken
0: because it was so
1: good that batman sees it later and batman says like john has like a hell of a right hook or whatever
0: yeah
1: yeah it was it was literally a hit so good that it it was it was like a plot device
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, it was fun talking about this with you. I'm excited to get to our second episode where I am a little bit more like caught up on everything that you've just told me about. Yeah. And we can, you, you always ask the question, do you like it? And I just, I feel like I could never fully answer that question until the later episodes. That's fair. So I might not be able to answer it until episode three.
1: That's true. In the next episode, we will finish off Superman Beyond, which is, which is a duology. Mm -hmm. It's a twofer. And then we'll hit all but the last two issues of final crisis Mm -hmm. we're gonna there's there's a there was a single tie-in uh book called final crisis submit that is in there too Mm -hmm. um it's weirdly important um it is about superheroes and supervillains ones that who have not been taken over by anti-life And then we'll finish up two issues of final crisis and then for the last episode we'll have two issues of batman Followed by the last two issues of Final Crisis.
0: Four issues on the last episode?
1: Yeah, four issues on every episode. This is a 12-parter.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess I I guess I forget the, the first one on this one because it was...
1: Technically, this one had five. DC Universe number zero, Final Crisis one through three, and then Superman Beyond.
0: Oh, see, I lose track of it when I'm reading it in the trade.
1: It's true. Well, in the DC Universe number zero, it was like five pages from this larger thing.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah.
1: Let there be lightning, I think, was the name of the little bit. If, you, <laughs> if it wasn't super obvious, Barry was the one who is narrating,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> all right, readers. If you would like to find us on the internet, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can
1: send us those long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com.
0: You can find uh, our episodes on comicsxf.com.
1: You can still leave us this five-star reviews on your podcatcher of choice if you leave one on iTunes. We will read it off on this episode, or on any episode, as you know, as long as we still have episodes to read on, which is two more.
0: Two more. <laughs> Get them in. If you wanted to be shouted out on the show. And if you happen to want to throw some cash our way, Kobe's probably your best bet, but we still technically have a Patreon. I don't know if we'll leave that up at, for a period of time after we're done coming up with episodes or, or what have you. But if you're listening to this sometime in the future, I don't know that we're going to like shut down our Kofi. So if you want to yeah. toss our money our way. Yeah,
1: probably won't shut down our Kofi. That <laughs> one did, you know,
0: I can, I can just stay. I mm-hmm. can stay. And until next time, readers
1: slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.